Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Well, won't you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews? It's near the end of the New Testament. We're going to be looking at a short passage from Hebrews chapter 1 and then a short passage from Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 1 and verses 1 to 3. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And then in Hebrews chapter 2 and verses 14 to 18. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For surely it's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Now, the Christian life, being a follower of Jesus, is often likened to running a race. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a lifelong marathon. And some of you have been running the race of faith for many years now. Others, you've just started out on the the race, and maybe you're still in the early stages. I've been running the race uh, for 26 years, and I still have a, a very long way to go. And over the 26 years while I've been running the race, I've been inspired as I've watched and seen others who have been running the race for longer than I have. I've also got really excited and encouraged as I've seen new people starting and joining in on the race. But I've also become really sad as I've noticed some people dropping out of the race. And they appear to have lost their faith and given up on following Jesus. Some because the problem of pain and suffering within the world or within their own life has just become too much. For others, it's been because of the way the church has treated them in in an unloving way. The letter of Hebrews is written to believers who are having a hard time, they're experiencing a hard time, and they've been tempted to give up, to drop out of the race. You see, they were being persecuted for their faith, and so they're exhausted. They're tired. They're tired of serving others. They're tired of being different and having people whispering about them in public. They're tired of the spiritual struggle. They're tired of trying to keep their prayer life going. They're tired of trying to keep on reading their Bible. They're tired of walking the walk. And, and so they feel like giving up and dropping out. Have you ever felt like that? I've often felt like that, especially at this time of the year. 
What is the solution to the problem? What, what is the answer to this problem that the book of Hebrews gives? Well, in short, the answer to this very practical pastoral crisis that the book of Hebrews gives is an encouragement to do some serious theology. To do some serious theology. Hebrews says in uh, chapter 12 and verses 1 to 2, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. In order to, to run the race with perseverance, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. But the question is, who is Jesus? And this is where we start to do some serious theology. Firstly, in Hebrews chapter 1, we are shown that Jesus is fully and truly divine, God. And then secondly, in Hebrews chapter 2, we are shown that Jesus is fully and truly human. And then lastly, we're going to look at why this is so important. This is the mystery and the meaning of Christmas. So firstly, Hebrews chapter 1, Jesus is fully and truly divine. In verses 1 and 2, it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us in his Son. And so what the author of Hebrews is saying is that Jesus is superior to all the other, all the previous ways that God has revealed himself. You see, in the past, God revealed himself through the words of the prophets. But in these last days, God has revealed himself in his son, in Jesus. Why is Jesus a superior revelation? Well, because he is God, as the rest of the verses will make clear. We continue reading. Whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Wow. Look, there's nowhere else that you're going to find a greater presentation of Jesus being fully and truly divine in the Bible than this. This is on par with John chapter 1 and verse 1, which says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Over here we discover that it's through Jesus, in Hebrews, we discover that it's through Jesus that God created the whole universe. Not only does Jesus create the whole universe, but we discover that he sustains all things by his powerful word, by merely speaking. That's like saying he created the whole universe and sustains the whole universe with his little pinky. But how can Jesus be God and yet separate from God the Father? We know God is one, but there's God the Father and now there's the Son. How does that work? I told you we were going to do some serious theology. 
Now, John chapter 1 uses a metaphor of the word to describe this paradox, this mystery. The author of Hebrews uses two metaphors in verse 3. He says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, and he says that Jesus is the exact representation of his being. And he uses these two metaphors to make the closest intimate possible connection between the Father and the Son while still maintaining that they're distinct. So the first one, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, or we could say the outshining of God's glory. Over here, the author of Hebrews is using the idea of the Son. And he's effectively saying that God the Father is like the Son and Jesus is like the sun rays. The rays of the sun. They are intimately connected. You can't have sun rays without the sun, and you can't have the sun without sun rays. They are intimately connected, yet they're distinct. They're distinct, they're different, but they're intimately connected. For the rays flow out of the sun and are part of the sun, yet they are distinct. The second metaphor. He says, Jesus is the exact representation, the imprint of his being. Over here, the author is using the idea of a wax seal and a signet ring or a stamp. In those days, when they would send a letter, they would seal it with a wax seal. And then they would use a signet ring or a stamp to make an impression, an imprint within the wax as a way of showing that this letter is from me. And the way they would know that the letter is from you is because the imprint in the wax is exactly the same as the imprint in your signet ring or on your stamp. And so what the author is claiming is God is like the character on the stamp or the signet ring, and Jesus is like the imprint, the impression in the wax seal. They are exactly the same. Yet, they're distinct. You've got the stamp, you've got the wax seal. They are exactly the same, but they're distinct. So he's using this as a way of showing and indicating the intimately connected. But yet, they're distinct. And so what the author of Hebrews is saying is, if you have seen Jesus, you have not seen a perfect representation of God. No, you've seen the exact representation of God because Jesus shares the very being, the very same substance, the very same essence, the very same nature as God the Father. Jesus makes God visible. Jesus makes what's invisible visible. What's unknowable knowable. What's incomprehensible comprehensible. And so over here, we discover that Jesus is truly and fully God. Now, if that isn't mind-blowing enough, we then secondly, in Hebrews chapter 2, discover that Jesus is fully and truly human. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared their humanity. He too became flesh and blood. 
In verse 17, he says, For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way. Fully human in every way. He didn't just become almost human or partly human or even just like a human. No, he became fully human in every way. We spend so much time defending that Jesus is fully God that we sometimes forget that he's also fully human. When he walked the earth, he was fully human in every way. We sometimes think that Jesus is kind of like a superhero. You know what I mean? He looks like a regular guy. He looks like Clark Kent, bit of a geek. But he's actually Superman. (laughs) Jesus is not like a superhero. He's not like Superman who only looks like he's human, but he's not. Jesus is 100% fully human in every way. Sometimes I think, okay, well, that's fine. So Jesus has got a normal human body, but, but surely he has a divine mind. Surely he's got a normal human body, but with God's brain inside. Right? No. He became fully human in every way. He has a human mind, a human brain with a human mind. That means he has to learn just like any other child had to learn. His mother nursed him. He had to learn how to speak. He had to learn how to dress himself. The Bible even says in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8 that he learned obedience. That doesn't mean he was disobedient, but he had to learn each day continually to submit to his father's will. He was like us in every way except for one. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, he says he did not sin. He was like us in every way. He experienced every temptation we experienced, every trial we experienced. He didn't assume a sanitized version of humanity, a perfect humanity. No, he assumed our fallen humanity became like us in every way except he did not sin. But there's a great mystery It's a great mystery. He never stops being 100% truly God. I mean, of course, when he was on earth, he operated within his humanity, but he never stopped being truly and fully God. How he could be 100% fully and truly God and 100% fully and truly human at the same time is simply beyond our comprehension. Just like the way light can be a wave and a particle at the same time is simply beyond our comprehension. But it's true. It's a mystery, but it's a reality. The big question, of course, is why? Why did God become a human in every way? Why? In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17, it says, For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way. He had to. Why did he have to become human in every way? Well, firstly, to become the perfect bridge. We continue reading in verse 17, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. 
The priest's job is to bring people into the presence of God and to bring the presence of God to people, to be a bridge between God and humanity. Jesus, because he is a hundred percent truly God and a hundred percent truly and fully human, he is the perfect bridge between God and humanity. In fact, he is the only bridge between God and humanity. Secondly, to become the perfect sacrifice. The verse continues, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. It's only because Jesus became fully human in every way, yet did not sin, that he becomes the perfect sacrifice for our sins. It's only through faith in Jesus that we can have our guilt removed and that we can find complete forgiveness. The early church fathers had a saying, what's not assumed is not healed. In other words, if Jesus didn't become fully human, then we wouldn't be fully saved. If he only became partly human, then we would only be partly saved. The fact that he became fully human in every way means that we can be completely healed, restored, forgiven through faith in Jesus. Thirdly, to become the perfect helper. Verse 18 says, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Because Jesus became fully human in every way, because Jesus experiences the full range of human emotions, because Jesus experienced the full range of human experiences from birth till death, because Jesus experienced every single trial and temptation that we will ever experience, He becomes the perfect helper. Whatever you've been through, he's been through and more. Whatever darkness you have experienced, he has experienced and more. Have you been betrayed? Felt lonely? Been broke? Have you been facing death? Well, so has he. Oh, but you don't understand. I've prayed about these things and God didn't answer my prayer. Have you heard of the Garden of Gethsemane? Father, please let this cup pass from me. And God said no. Jesus knows what it's like to experience unanswered prayer. Oh, but you don't understand. I feel as though God has completely abandoned me. What did Jesus say on the cross? Cry out on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Oh, but you don't understand. I've had to watch my child die. So did God. So did God the Father. He understands. He's experienced it. Whatever you've been through, 
He has been through and more. But it's not just because he's experienced it, that he's been through it, that he understands it, that makes him a perfect helper. He doesn't only experience it, but he triumphs over it. He experienced every trial, every temptation, every darkness that we experience, but he never gave in. He never gave up. He never sinned, but he overcame it. And he does that as a human. He, he doesn't do it as Clark Kent. He just looks like a human, but it's actually Superman. He does it as a human who relies on the help of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, he is the perfect help for us to help us to overcome. Fourthly and lastly, he did it to become the perfect conqueror of death. The greatest thing that Jesus overcomes for us as a human is the fear of death. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verses 14 and 15, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Do you notice how verse 14 emphasizes the fact that it was in his humanity that Jesus' death breaks the power of death. It says in verse 14, He too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of death. Of course, Jesus could never truly experience death unless he became fully human in every way. But moreover, if it was Clark Kent who died for us and rose again, what good is that for me? Or for you. Oh, I guess you don't have to fear death anymore if you're Superman. But what about me? It's only because Jesus conquers death as a human that he sets us free from the fear of death. And that's why Jesus is referred to in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10 as the pioneer of our salvation, and in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, as the pioneer of our faith. The Greek word that's translated pioneer has this idea of a trailblazer, someone who blazes a trail for others to follow. Jesus has blazed a trail, has pioneered a way through suffering and death and to eternal life with God. And it's only by putting our faith in Jesus, by following our pioneer, our trailblazer, that we too can be set free from the fear of death. In 1964, in the Queens area of New York City, a young woman who was 28 years old called Kitty was for several minutes stabbed to death. As she screamed for help just outside her apartment block. It's a famous incident because there were many people 
who heard her screams. But not only did no one come down to help her, no one even called it in. No one even called the police. And that's why it becomes famous. In a newspaper interview, one of the neighbors famously said, Why? Because I didn't want to get involved. Didn't want to get involved. You see, just think about it. Involvement. If you come down out onto the street, or if you just call it in, you're involved. And involvement always means costly vulnerability. If you stay up in your apartment, you're safe. But if you come down onto the street, you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable to be attacked by the same criminal. Even if you call it in, you become involved and you become vulnerable. There may be repercussions. There may be retaliation. Involvement always leads to costly vulnerability. You will lose your safety and you will become vulnerable. Right from the beginning, in the Bible, we are told that God hears our cries. God comes to to Cain and he says, Abel's blood cries out to me from the ground. And time and time again throughout the Old Testament, we're told that God says, I hear the cries of my people. I hear the cries of the oppressed. God hears our cries. But he doesn't just call it in. Christmas tells us he comes down. He gets involved. And he becomes vulnerable. By Jesus coming down to us, He doesn't come down at the risk of his life. He comes down at the cost of his life. He comes down and he gets stabbed and he dies because he gets involved. Christmas tells us that God so loved us that he was prepared to get involved. He was prepared to to take on our fallen humanity. He was prepared to experience all our pain and our suffering. He was even prepared to die for us. So we could experience healing and forgiveness and restoration and ultimately life, eternal life. Do you feel like giving up? Throwing in the towel? Then can I encourage you to fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Consider what he has done for you. Realize that everything you've been through, he's been through, that he understands. Realize that he is there with you and he's able to help you, to help you overcome. And ultimately, he's able to help you overcome the fear of death. So don't give up. Fix 
your eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the mystery of Christmas. The mystery of how you came down in the person of Jesus. You got involved. You became vulnerable because you love us. And you want to heal us and restore us and forgive us. Father, let that become a reality in our heart. Let it not just be theology in our head, but let that theology penetrate our heart. Father, we thank you that there is nothing we have experienced and gone through that you haven't gone through. There's no darkness we experience that you haven't experienced. But we thank you for the hope you give us. The hope that Christmas gives us because you overcame, we can overcome. You have pioneered a way for us. You don't let us go. You're not only our pioneer, but you're the perfecter of our faith. And so, Father, when we grow tired and weary, help us to lift our eyes up to you, to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, the perfect helper. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.